Legal Marketing Studio, a podcast devoted to examining successful marketing strategies, driving new business development at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I'm joined by Raj Jha, the founder of Practice Alchemy. Practice Alchemy is a marketing agency that helps bring dynamic and modern marketing practices to attorneys across the country. So Raj, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. Great. Well, uh, looking forward to ending this year's uh, season with a, a bit of clickbait. We've got the, <laughs> the top three fails to avoid in 2019. So um, do you want to set this up at all or do we want to get right into the, the, first, the first fail? Yeah, let, let me, uh, well, well, fails are awesome. Let me set the stage um, a little bit to give some folks just a little bit of context and how, how we saw it and why, why it makes sense other than, you know, everyone loves craning their neck at a car wreck, which is always fun. But obviously, we want everyone to take something away from this as well. Um, so the context of these is, you know, my firm talks to hundreds of attorneys every year and kind of interviews them about the marketing that they're doing. So we kind of see absolutely everything from every kind of practice. And I think the first point for everyone to take away from this is you know, we're talking about marketing fails and hopefully get a chuckle or two about some of the, the things that happened here. But, you know, law firms are not all the same. And I always love to caution people that you you might be a business law firm, you know, representing companies, but you hear a story about a consumer firm uh, representing individuals or vice versa. Or, uh, you know, you might be a contingency firm, but uh, you're hearing a story about something that's billable hours or vice versa. So I always like to start by saying, listen to this, but always try to extrapolate it to your own situation because they're really good lessons to be learned regardless of, of the kind of firm. I don't know, Mike, if you see that as well, where people kind of just get in this this lane where they really think that, oh, that's not like my firm when they could learn the lessons. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think I would take it even broader than that where I think law firms look to one another, to other firms. And I think they could take a lot of lessons from outside the industry. I know the the Northeast Conference of the LMA uh, a couple of weeks ago, that was the whole sort of central theme of the, the conference was looking outside of legal. So again, it doesn't matter, I think, what kind of practice you are. Uh, you can certainly find lessons in what other firms are doing. But I think there's also, even beyond that, lessons to be found outside of legal as well. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, as, as a little tangent in, in my firm, you know, we started out when I when I was practicing, um, uh, we started out as a traditional billable hour firm. Uh, and we moved uh, to become what we called subscription billing. So a fixed monthly fee, um, a very high fixed monthly fee to do unlimited work for a client. And so when where I got that model was not from looking at other law firms because pretty much nobody was really doing that in uh, at, the, at the levels that we were in terms of fee levels. Um, I, I actually knocked that off from us, the cell phone providers when I was thinking, oh, wait a minute, I'm getting billed every month regardless of how many minutes I use unless I adjust the the, the um, overall subscription number. So, you know, we took that from the cell phone industry. So, I think all lawyers can you can can you know pop their head up and look around and find some examples that'll be really beneficial to their firm. Well, we promised some clickbait, so let's let's get to the first fail. 
Okay, cool. I've got three fails for you today, and I'm going to categorize them and kind of give them a, uh, a title, if you will. So the first is what we call a strategy fail. And uh, I'm a big strategy before tactics kind of person, uh, which is that you need to take a step back and say, what am I trying to accomplish here before you choose what you're going to do? So this particular firm we talked with uh, and uh, we asked, well, what kind of marketing are you doing today? Because that's uh, the first question before we get into where do you want to go and how do you get there? And they, they were a mergers and acquisitions firm. So a corporate firm doing mid-sized mergers and acquisitions they said, oh, well, for the last two years, we've been working with a local vendor and they've uh, sold us an SEO package. I said, really, an SEO package? So what are they doing? Well, they're writing articles and creating uh, websites and doing things like that to try to get ranked on Google. So that, of course, you know, we kind of had to stop right there and ask the question, well, what's the strategy here? And the firm said, well, we want to become number one on Google. And, you know, I don't know if you've spotted the fail right here, but let's think, let's take a step back. And I want, you know, everyone who's listening here to take a step mm -hmm. back as well and think, well, who's the client, right? Very important question. Who's the client? Because that dictates your strategy. And the client in this case, this is a mergers and acquisitions law firm looking at, you know, mid-market-ish companies. The client is a general counsel, right? Or the client is a CFO. And how does a CFO choose an attorney or a firm for M&A? They're not Googling for it, right? So we have a big fail in that this firm had invested a lot of money and a lot of time in a strategy which would never really bring them quality clients, because the kind of clients that they wanted, like a mid-market, let's say 50 to $200 million company or right, substantial, they're not Googling best M&A lawyer Chicago. So really that kind of big disconnect is one of the fails that we see all the time, which is that uh, you know a vendor calls someone up and they say, sure, I'll try that. But there really isn't that alignment. The strategy has to match the ideal client uh, and so what we have here is a fail where they're really not thinking about that process. Yeah, there was a, I was at a general counsel panel uh, earlier this week and not one person said we're searching on Google for our outside vendors. So certainly you want to make sure that your strategy, you know, matches a client as you're talking about. I think also then your tactics flowing out of it need to be not what you want to be. I mean, it sounds like what struck me about that story was the we want to be number one on Google. But that's about the that's about the law firm. That's about, you know, perhaps even the ego of the of the partners. Right. Vanity marketing, right? Because so you know, an MA law firm, it is completely legitimate that they need to have an online presence. But you have to think about, okay, who's my ideal client and what is the journey that they come that they go through to choosing counsel. And it's not because they're Googling best M&A lawyer. So I'm not saying content doesn't matter. Content absolutely matters, but it happens in a different part of the process. They've heard that it's more that in this case, for this kind of client, your web presence is them validating that the, you're the real thing. So they'll be checking you out on LinkedIn. They'll be checking what kind of thought leadership articles you have, what other kind of media you, you may have uh, been on, you know, like, like a podcast or something like that. 
Um, but we have to think about that journey, and it's very important. And uh, you know, a lot of attorneys are, are not really thinking in that way, uh, and instead they're turning to either a brand campaign, which might not be relevant, maybe for some kinds of practices, but not for others, or they're looking for direct response, right? So they, they might be using Google PPC to try to get a corporate client. That's also a mismatch. In this case, SEO, a mismatch. But really, it all starts with the client, right? Yeah, absolutely. It starts with the client, what their needs are. And I would say also that another aspect of this fail, which may or may not have been present, but you can't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, maybe doing, a, even if you're doing pay-per-click and you want to be number one on Google, okay, maybe that's one tactic you're doing. But if it's not sort of in this range of other kinds of things, content marketing, thought leadership, branding, you know, direct networking, you know, reaching out to people either online or in person, you know, if you only have that one kind of tactic, it's going to fail also. So it's definitely, what is the client doing? How do we move them through the sales funnel? Which attorneys, you are moving people through sales funnels. Um, you know, and then making sure that they're all tied together by that strategy that you're talking about that is based on the client's needs. Yeah, I, th I think that's 100%. And you said, you know, sales funnel, which of course is going to make some listeners cringe, but they should listen. Uh, if you think about any sales funnel in a, in a more sophisticated marketing sense, uh, which most industries other than law have really recognized as the truth, you've got the top of the funnel where you know there's some initial awareness, the middle of the funnel where you're essentially making the clients make an evaluation, and the bottom of the funnel where they're making a choice of law firm. And every single ent kind of um, entity that sells, whether it's a, a law firm or a car dealership or a furniture store or anything, services product – there's always that top of funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. And, uh, you know, what I've noticed after doing this for, uh, you know, over six years is that really lawyers either focus on the top and the bottom and they always miss the middle, right? So on the bottom, they might say, okay, well, I'll do pay-per-click to get people to click now, or they'll do some vague content marketing that doesn't really have a next logical next step to bring people down that, that funnel. So I think that it's, it's an important point that we start with the client and we start with the journey. And then afterwards, we hang on tactics, right? Whether it's content marketing and, and all the various other choices that you have. But until you've defined who you're going after and how they make decisions, choosing a tactic is not the right thing to do. Absolutely. Well, let's let's move on to our, our next fail. Uh, so this one you, uh, you titled Accountability. Yeah, yeah, accountability fail. Um, and one of the things that, that I'm always a huge advocate for is that your marketing has to be transparent. It has to be accountable. You're paying money for your marketing. So you obviously should get a result because, uh, you know, just like very few people wake up in the morning and say, oh, I feel like hiring a lawyer today. Let's just go ahead and do that. That would be fun. Uh, you know, also marketing, most people don't wake up in the morning. Oh, let's just do some marketing, right? You have to, it, it's always furthering another end. So right now, uh, you're, if you do engage in any marketing or thinking about it, the marketing should acquire clients. And that means that the, the process has to be accountable. So in this fail, this is a firm um, that was operating out of the Southeast United States. Uh, and they were spending, uh, during our initial interview with them, about $5,000 a month on AdWords PPC. So it was a consumer-facing firm doing personal injury, uh, various other things. But they're spending $5,000 a month on pay-per-click. And so you say, okay, great. Well, they, clearly this must be something must be happening with that five thousand dollars. Must be getting a return on investment. So we started digging in and asked, okay, well, you're spending five thousand dollars a month on the recommendation of this pay-per-click vendor. How many cases are coming out of that? And they said, we don't know. 
said, okay, well, uh, are you tracking it? And I said, yes. Well, every month this vendor sends us a report of how many clicks we get. So, you know, you're paying money and you're getting clicks. I said, okay, well, that's nice, but how many clients are you getting? And they said, well, we don't know. So here we have an accountability fail, right? It, it's kind of obvious, but are, what are you paying money for, right? Nobody wants clicks. Who cares about the clicks? What you want is clients. So unless your marketing can show that there is either a direct line between what you're paying and, and the clients that you're getting, or you have recognized that in some kinds of marketing, it's not a straight line, but you, the investment makes sense, then uh, then you you have that kind of accountability. But in this case, we've got an accountability fail, that the owner had been asleep at the switch on this uh, marketing campaign for 18 months. So 18 months at $5,000 a month, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but to me, that's a large, large sum of money to not have a single... Uh, client attributable to it. In fact, not only that, after it was turned off, the amount of clients coming to the door didn't change at all. So what we discovered was it was not only not accountable, it was completely just a waste. So really the lesson here, it seems obvious, but in every single case, uh, we've seen law firms not really tracking things in the right way and holding their marketing accountable because it's not just enough to just do some marketing and throw money at the problem. We're doing this for a reason. So let's make sure that we are understanding what the outcome is and then backing into how do we get that outcome. You know, something that struck me there, there is I mean, I think part of what you're talking about is setting up the metrics at the outset to understand the accountability of the campaign that you're doing or the tactic that you're doing. Is there also some sense of accountability for, um, you know, from the vendor, you know, mm -hmm. do you want to, when you're starting up a, an engagement like this, should there be some accountability from the vendor? I, I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know if I have a client ever that isn't happy or needs something tweaked or needs something fixed we go out of our way to make sure that things get done exactly as they need. And if we were doing stuff, I mean, if we were spending 5,000 a month and if any of my clients want to spend 5,000 a month on photography, they are more than welcome to. Um, but if, you, if you're spending that kind of money as a vendor, I feel like I want my client to hold me accountable. You know, do you think yeah. that there are those two sides? I think there's a, I think there's, there's numerous things at play here. Um, I think that a lot of vendors really just, view lawyers as kind of easy, easy meat, because lawyers, frankly, don't really understand the technical detail, frankly, nor should they, right? They don't understand the technical detail of, well, I'm running an AdWords PPC campaign. Uh, you know, what does that mean? What are all these numbers? What does, uh, you know, impression share mean? And all these kind of technical things. So some vendors just say, okay, well, you know, I'll sell you some crummy $700 a month um, AdWords service, and then uh, you, know, you throw as much money at it as you want. Um, and then in other cases, I think the attorneys don't always take their part of the responsibility in saying, I need to understand what we're doing and what success looks like. Right. So, I mean, as a as a vendor, you know, as, as my firm is a, is a vendor, we're crazy about transparency and saying we are doing this on your behalf. We, we feel we are fiduciaries to your budget. And that's our perspective. And a lot of the times the attorneys really haven't thought of it that way. But if someone is managing your money, we believe they should be a fiduciary duty. And I, I, I'm not sure that a lot of agencies really, especially the kind of the lower end agencies, I think they're more churning and burning. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it is an issue in this, in this industry where um, I don't think that the vendors really 
uh, are, are taking their job very seriously. I think at the end, I want to come back to that idea of the small agency versus big agencies, but also to these you know, agencies that do one particular thing versus agencies that are going to do everything for you. Because I think that there are a lot of these issues not necessarily can be solved or are problematic in one versus the other. But I think it's incumbent upon attorneys to, to understand that if you're going to an agency that only does pay-per-click, well, that's where they're going to tell you to put all your money. That's exactly it. So that's it, what we call selling what's on the truck, right? right. I mean, well, they, they, they have that. So, of course, they're going to sell it to you. And, of course, they're going to say this is the right strategy for you because they don't want to turn down the business. If we go back to that first, the mergers and acquisitions firm, if you went to a pay-per-click advertising firm, guess what? They'd sell you pay-per-click. But just as SEO isn't the right strategy, nobody's Googling saying best mergers and acquisitions law firm for clicking on an ad. So it's the same thing. They're selling you with that, what's on the truck. Yeah, and I, I think and I, in a way that brings us – I suppose to the next the next fail, you know, the vendor fail, and we'll tie yeah. this all back together in a second. But let, let's go into this this third fail. Yeah, the third fail is is a vendor fail, uh, and this is a, a smallish firm um, out of the south with a you know a more seasoned attorney running the practice. Um, so he was in his early 60s, uh, and he still wanted to keep on practicing until, you know, the way he told it to me, I want to practice until the day I die. He really loved what he was doing and wanted to um, to get, you know, help as many people as possible. So um, a uh, local marketing guy came up to him and said, you know what, I can really help you uh, get business, not just throughout the county where you're known, but throughout the whole state. And here's what we're going to do. And they, he set up this scheme where uh, he would, the marketing guy would set up, I think it was about 15 websites, each one with its own social media account, and had set up these automatic publishing robots to just publish, essentially take news sites and republish the news on social media sites for all of these 15 websites. So now we've got 15 websites. Each one has three to five social media presences. And you can see this big web of stuff that was getting created. And the whole theory behind this was the law partner had been convinced by this local marketing person that this would attract a lot of attention. And the problem, of course, as we know now, is that you know, Google's too smart for this stuff. And even though Google would be Google search would be a completely valid way for this particular practice to get clients, uh, you know, Google's too smart for that now. These kind of like trickery and trying to game the system may have worked ten years ago, sort of kind of. Um, but now it really isn't. And you know, furthermore, you know, on a personal level, I think that's kind of an ethical line that was crossed here in recommending that strategy, uh, setting up all these, you know, pseudo fake websites. But really what we have here is a local guy with a scheme who came to an attorney and told them, oh, this will totally work for you. Um, and the lesson here and then the reason why it's a vendor fail is I think that there is a real difference in accountability between folks who are kind of hobbyists and you know very often it's you know it's the local marketing guy who's really an SEO guy but oh sure he can do your website oh and he can set up some social media for you etc and so there's a real significant difference between an expert and a dabbler and that's a vendor fail and and we see this all the time in this particular case we had to unwind all of these things and, and this this lawyer uh, you know uh, someone of a generation that is not as online savvy he didn't even have uh, access to a lot of these web properties so couldn't even take them down for a really long time 
So, you know, all these websites are out there with his name on it and information and stuff publishing everywhere. And he'd set up this big machine that was very hard to take apart because we didn't have access. So really be very careful with who you're dealing with and really do they know their stuff or are you dealing with some, uh, you know, local person who's just a dabbler? And if that vanishes on you, you're not really going to have access to your own assets. I mean, it's funny because you say there's there's a couple of sides of it. You want to make sure that the people you're working with understand the underlying uh, tactics that they're working with. I mean, not understanding how that that structure of websites is going to impact or not impact on Google is pretty critical. Yeah. But there's also this idea that, you know, maybe, I mean, it, it could be a good idea to have more than one website. Maybe you do have a microsite for some small side of your practice, or maybe you have it for um, some content channel you're doing, or you have a, a very particular thing and you need a landing page for it. It's just, you know, so sad to see someone use these tools so wrong. And, and like you said, it's absolutely legitimate. We have, we have several clients that that we've even set up sites for. I mean, sometimes there's a firm and there's multiple partners and each partner has their own practice area. And in that sense, it might make absolute sense for that practice area to have a standalone website with a URL that speaks just to an ideal client that is a completely legitimate strategy. I mean, of course, meeting all ethical obligations, et cetera, but that's completely legitimate. Mm -hmm. But I've never been a fan of this let's game the system mentality. Let's create a bunch of websites, like in the old days, right, Um, when people were playing all kinds of crazy SEO tricks trying to set up these exact match domain sites where it's like, okay, I'll get personalinjurydeluthminnesota.com, and then I'll – uh, have do article spinning, like write a bunch of junky articles, just stuffing the keywords in there. That stuff just, you know, it was always a game. And that's not strategic to me. That's just trying to game the system. And it doesn't work anymore. So why why are we still having these conversations is kind of my my take on the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the system sees that the system's gonna, you know, not like it. But but your your, your clients, your potential clients see it and don't like it either. You know, if you think about any social media channel you're on as a, just as an individual, forget as an attorney or as someone who, you know, sells services, you know, when someone's trying to sell you something, you know, you know, when that post is sponsored, you know, when someone's trying to make it look like it's not a sponsored poster, like they're trying to get in under you know, the wire. So I think it, yeah, I mean, it, it can backfire on you and it, not just in that, that way that Google says, Oh, this isn't going to give you that SEO juice you think. It, it could be that your clients are going to be actively turned off by it too. So uh, certainly you have to make sure that you have a sense of what you're doing and you really want to make sure <laughs> that the vendor does. I mean, <laughs> Exactly. I mean, yeah. the way that I, the way, uh, that I think about a lot of this stuff is, uh, you know, first step, attorneys have to get over that marketing is a reality, right? I mean, the whole, the days of do good work and the work will come, they're they're done. It doesn't matter what practice area you're in. So you have to market. Mm-hmm. But once you take the step two, you have to market. You don't have to go to the other extreme. You still should be thinking about well, you know how how would grandma uh, if I had to describe my strategy to grandma, w- would she find that it's you know it's uh, ethical, right? Would she think oh yes that makes absolute sense, or am I doing something that's trying to you know have some short term uh, play to to. Uh, you know, online play to trick something, right? Like setting up these websites and putting a bunch of stuff on social media or, 
you know, a particular, you know, pet peeve of mine right now is, oh, let's just in our social media strategy, let's just republish other people's articles from The New York Times constantly. Well, really, are you adding any value there? Are you adding any value to the world whatsoever uh, versus creating your own stuff and your own perspective on the world? So really think about it that way. Right. If, if grandma would approve and say, yes, you're doing the right thing, then, uh, you know, you're passing the sniff test. If you're using the word scheme in any way, <laughs> that's probably a good uh, good rule of thumb. Well, let's let's wrap this up. Let's go back through sort of these lessons and kind of tie them all together, because I think in a way they really are sort of interlinked. They are. Yeah. And I started out at the beginning of this saying that I'm a big strategy over tactics kind of guy. And I think in every single case, uh, because I've you know, personally talked to hundreds and hundreds of attorneys uh, about this, I think it comes from the day that somebody decides to, quote, do some marketing. Right. They decide, well, you know, oh, yeah, I really have to do some marketing, you know, whether it's because it's the roller coaster of I've had too much work, so I haven't been marketing and now I should do something or just just the decision to grow the firm or whatever. And then that search begins where you start looking for, well, what should I do? And very often, because most of the legal press is focused on tactics or a vendor calls and you pick up the phone, a tactic is chosen before a strategy. And then we get to that whole selling what's on the truck concept. You go down the rabbit hole and because the guy selling a a listing in Avvo happens to be the guy that called, at the time you happen to be interested in marketing, that's that's the path that you go down. And so for all of these, they could all have been avoided if you did what we talked about earlier on uh, this session, which is strategy before tactics, thinking, okay, who's my ideal client? What's the path that they follow? And how do I put myself in a, uh, into that path in a way that I'm discovered by them and they view me as an authority? And that is agnostic as to any strategy that you have there. I mean, whether it's a a video marketing strategy, whether it's a podcast strategy, whether it's SEO or AdWords or, uh, you know, anything, name it, it always fits into that structure. So the one thing that all these fails have in common is that the attorney didn't take a step back and ask the question, what am I trying to achieve for whom? And then what is the right medium to accomplish that? Right. And then once you've once you've determined what that is, it brings you right to measuring it and making sure that whatever you do, you know if it's working or if it's working as well as you want it to work. Perhaps you could fix it. Um, do you want to go into that a, a little bit? or? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, the, you know, not to use too many acronyms, but, you know, we are big fans of KPIs, key performance indicators. And sometimes you have a leading indicator and a trailing indicator. So a leading indicator is something that is a predictive of how it will perform in the future. So maybe my website traffic is a leading indicator of clients, perhaps, if I'm a consumer firm. So if more people are coming to my website, that might translate into more people calling the firm or submitting inquiries on the website. Or it might be a trailing indicator. Oh, well, uh, we have some numbers, but they talk about the past. And you look at these kinds of numbers, and really, I, I, I know many lawyers hate the concept of numbers, but numbers really should be your friend. And l- sitting down with whatever vendor you're choosing and saying, okay, here's what I'm trying to achieve in terms of client growth. Here's what a client is worth. And therefore, this is how much at each step in the process, it makes sense to spend on marketing in order to get that client. Because ultimately, marketing should be an investment. 
So looking at those numbers and saying, no, you shouldn't be paying $5,000 a month for clicks to your website. Instead, you should say, okay, I'm paying $5,000 per month and I should be getting, I'm just going to pick numbers here because it's very geographic specific, but for that $5,000 a month, I should be getting $50,000 a month in clients revenue. And that will generate, uh, in order to do that, I have to have this many uh, client interviews. That means the cost, the value per interview is this, therefore the value per inquiry is this. So you just kind of work backwards down the chain and have numbers so that you can show up every month and get a monthly report and see what's the health of my marketing. So that's the next step, you're right, um, which is all about what are those uh, those metrics by which you measure. You know, going back in a way to the strategy and taking a step forward, I, you've got to build a team to help you do those things because, I mean, a lot of the attorneys I've met, not they're all great lawyers. They're all super smart, but there's very few of them who understand SEO and pay-per-click and content strategy you know, there's very few who can put, who have the skills, to put all of that together on their own. You have to build a team and you have to build a team that you trust. You know, how do you, how do you do that? Do you, I mean, is it, you know, it could be just a single agency. You guys handle a whole sort of swath of the spectrum of, of both strategy and tactics, but perhaps you have to bring in, uh, you know, firms that specialize in one thing or another. So it, it's building that team and finding, um, at least I think finding a, a central vendor to help you navigate that, yeah. um, and, and I think you know, there's there's one fail I didn't in, include here, but I think is is relevant to this. A lot of attorneys um, abdicate instead of delegate. So they might have an office manager or a paralegal, and they they say, you know, come on in here. I'd love you to just handle this marketing stuff. I don't have time to do it. And this poor office manager. I mean, maybe they've done some marketing in the past, but very often they're not. Equi- they don't know what they don't know. Right. So they're not really equipped to succeed. And the attorneys are giving them an impossible task, which is to the detriment of the firm as a whole. You've got an employee who really wants to do the best for you. And they may be incredibly competent at their, you know, all of their job duties normally. But then you add paper click to it. And, you know, we've seen that multiple times. And then now they're off trying to figure out, well, how do I do it? Or what are the criteria for hiring a firm to do it and they're not really empowered. So really making sure that you're not trying to do it on the cheap or uh, are really not um, empowering people to to go ahead and find those experts and instead just shoving it on, you know, whatever staff member seems to have extra capacity right now. We said three fails, but in a way it's become uh, almost a roadmap for reassessing uh, firms marketing in, in 2019. Um, and I, I think just to look at that word reassessing, I think that's something that is necessary. Even if you're, you have a, a strategy, even if you have set the metrics, even if you do are working with, with a vendor that, that you like and that you trust, you have to be constantly reassessing um, to make sure that, again, all of those things underlying the strategy and the tactics, all of that still makes sense six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road. Any any. Closing thoughts just before we uh, we close it off here. No, I, I think I mean I, I think that marketing shouldn't marketing seems scary sometimes, or it seems overwhelming, or it is something that it's like I don't have time to do it. But one of the things that attorneys often get into is, well, I don't want to market because oh, well then I'll have more clients and I'm already overwhelmed and there's too much. I just want to put one other thing there that marketing can really benefit from and focusing 
on this can really benefit every single person out here, which is it doesn't have to be about more. It can also be about better clients. So when you think about the future of your firm and your enjoyment of your practice, I know one of the most satisfying things back when I was practicing was, quote, upgrading my clients and saying, you know what? I've got some of these clients and they're they're really and they're really not my sweet spot. And marketing is a vehicle to not just increasing revenue, but increasing client quality and therefore the quality of your life. So, you you know, don't just dismiss this as, oh, well, I'm too busy because, um, I, you know, I, I just have too much work and I don't want more work. Really, you can increase the quality of your clients and therefore your enjoyment of your practice. So don't discount this just because you're too busy. You might be too busy with a bunch of crummy clients you're not that happy with. And this can be a way of getting you there in 2019. Raj, that was, that was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio Podcast. Absolutely. It's been uh, great uh, having this conversation with you, and I hope that people have taken some value from it. And thank you to our listeners who've joined us for this episode. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. We can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It is just legalmarketing.studio. Studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry, based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.